0: Hello, Food World. It's Robert Crutchfield, your favorite foodie friend from Crutchfield Cooks, here with another episode of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. So, what are we going to do today? Well, let me tell you, we've been promising. Today, we're delivering. That's right, our first ever interview. Aren't you excited already? We're going to be sitting down with somebody lucky for me out of my own backyard, Katie's own chef owner, Casey Castro from Astor's Restaurant. We're going to talk about everything from how a young boy and playing soccer in the dust of South Africa becomes a restaurant owner in Katie, Texas, to COVID 19, to staffing shortages, to the pluses and minuses of running a farm-to-table restaurant. Let's go to Chef Castro. But, yeah, I, I remember years ago, I, I'd be getting these calls out of the blue from my sister about, hey, Robert, are you off tomorrow? You you you, you, you really miss your nephew, don't you? I know, right? Which, which, well, wife talk works about the same way, but that was... That was sister speak for, you want to come play with your nephew tomorrow on your day off and give me a break, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. It, it is the same thing now. Like, you know, I, I got to work and my wife, she's like, do you, how many tables do you have to cook for?
0: Did you have cancellations tonight?
1: For real? <laughs> she's like, do you have, how many tables did you have today? Do you want to come over? I can <laughs> cook for you. i like, baby. A people.
0: Oh man, I have a feeling we could talk family stuff all day long, but uh, I, I yeah, that's want, right. I just want to try and get in a half hour here, and uh, we have to cover all this territory of this this humble young man in South Africa who moves to the United States to study law, and somehow ends up as a chef in Katy, Texas. And now, that did is I, did, did I did I get that almost right? That's right. So let's go back, start kind of from the beginning. What was it when you were in South Africa that first started you on the idea of coming to the United States in the, in the, in the first place?
1: Well, first of all, originally my parents are from Angola and Luanda. So I was born in Angola and Luanda. I was raised right in okay. South Africa, Cape Town. So sure. growing up in South Africa... You know, we all, what we hear is America and uh, me in, growing up in South Africa, working in, in a waterfront, one of the uh, bigger attraction of tourists that come from America in uh, Europe, you know, they usually go to Cape Town and uh, you know, there's this place called a waterfront that everybody likes to go visit. So uh, over there, it gives me, it gave me the opportunity to to meet so many great people from America. And I remember one time I met a group of tourists and they were like, young man, what are your plans? What are your goals in life? And I was like, well, you know, I weren't here, but I was a waiter at that time. I was working at one of the restaurants we used to call Fish Mark, a seafood restaurant. And I told the, the couple, I was like, you know, actually my goal in life, I would love to be a lawyer. So I want to be a criminal lawyer. Being an African American or African in South Africa, you don't have that much opportunity to be somebody, unless you know somebody or your parents are somebody. You know, so you have the the bare minimal, you know, to be able to make it. You know, I'm talking to them and they were like, you know, you can come to America and we can help you to go to the law school. So that's how the idea coming to America comes up, too.
0: That raises an interesting point. You've been a waiter and and, and worked in seafood restaurants there on the the seafront there in South Africa. At the same time, as I understand it, your experience here in the United States in the restaurant business started at the same level, so to speak. What was it? Ten years, I think you were a waiter and other different things in other people's restaurants. Uh, Before you even had your first restaurant here. How how much difference is there between, say, being a waiter in South Africa and, say, being a server here in the United States?
1: Oh, there is a lot of difference. Uh, Number one, being a waiter in South Africa, a lot of the time is the people there, they are very, very, let us talk about local. You know, when you talk about local, they believe that as a waiter, you know, you're not. You're not going to get any tips because they believe that you're already getting paid. You know, and that's a a minimal wage payment that you get, it is good enough for you. So the culture is very different, you know, And but as a waiter, you cannot judge anybody. You still got to give the same quality service. You got to be humble. You got to be kind and you got to be able to make your customer feel at home. And that's one of the things that you know, it is all about the smile. It's all about how you treat people. And being a waiter in South Africa, actually, it helped me a lot because coming to America and being a waiter over here, it's like, uh, as a waiter here, you know, your customer, it is your money. Your table is where you make your money. So it's not about, oh, I already getting paid. You know, I. Whether I do a great job or not, I'm still getting paid. You know, over here in America, it's like, oh, if I only have one table, two table, and I'm getting paid $2 or $1.75 an hour, I have to do my best, in order for my table to give me the best tip, you know, or I can give them the best service and they feel that, you know, I did my best and then they will reward me with, you know, either a great tip, but it's not just about tip. You know, being a waiter is about the people that you meet. It's about the connection, you know, because you get to meet a lot of people that can change your life. And being here, you know, me coming from Africa, being a waiter, it helped me a lot because, number one, a lot of the people that I met, you know, here, it helped me, you know, to get a place, get involved with immigration, help me with some of the needs that I needed. You know to go forward, and that's one of the that's a great thing about being a waiter. At the same time, the different way of paying. You know, here in America, you make more money. The amount of money that you can make here as a waiter, it can be an uh, amount of money that a lawyer or uh, an engineer can make back home. You know, so it's 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 a lot of difference. But at, at the same time, the standard and ethic of being a server is still. The same, you gotta be kind. You gotta take care of your customer. You gotta smile, and you gotta be humble. That's one of the things that you know, as a waiter, you know, I can see. I'm saying,
0: okay, let's let's move things forward a little bit. How do you go for being a, a an immigrant that that came to the country to go to law school and become a lawyer, and
1: move over into into the restaurant business? Well, it is important that, you know, coming to America, you know, I came here and when I got here, the people who were supposed to sponsor me, you know, actually never showed up. So I was in Atlanta and I was stuck in Atlanta for at least three months. And at that point, uh, the people that were supposed to sponsor me never showed. And the lady that took me in, she was like, hey, what are your plans? And I told her I only had one plane. I came here to go to law school and she said, so what are you going to do? I would like, I guess I got to make another plane because I'm a plane A guy. From that, you know, I had to rethink and call some of the people back home and ask, Hey, do you know somebody in America? You know, and that's how I end up in Texas and then coming here. Obvious, I didn't. I only knew those folks that I stayed with them for a few couple of weeks and then I had figured out and to move on and, you know, figured out the way I'm going to move next. So, you know, it was, it it was really, really, really very strange and tough at the same time because I wasn't, I wasn't a place that I didn't know nobody. But the great thing is like, you know, if you're able to communicate and you're friendly and humble, you know, there is always people out there that are willing to help. Sure, sure. I know. In my
0: case, I tell people all the time. In fact, not only was my grandfather a chef, but so was my great grandfather. Wow! And I tell people that because I didn't go to culinary school to speak of. I, I, I finished the course at World Chefs Academy, and I've done a, a little bit of coursework. But as far as the the full deal, three year. Kind of culinary school that people think about I, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. my culinary abilities and whatnot primarily started out when I was younger, and I tell people that uh, there's there's more to that than what you would think because my mother had the advantage of learning from her mother, who was an exceedingly good farm cook in the midwest right and then she met my. My father, back during the Korean War, came back home here to Texas and and got to learn some restaurant-level skills and things from my grandfather, the chef, who worked at the Hotel Galvez, among other things. So when I say my—I'm just saying, when I say my grandfather was a chef, I'm not talking about somebody that spent his days in front of a flaptop and they called him a chef. This was a real-deal picture in the newspaper— Yada yada shit.
1: Point Big being time.
0: that while my grandfather died before I was an, a year old, I essentially learned from him through my mother. Now I right. understand that as far back as your South African days, you did a lot of cooking with your your mother, and I think it was your aunt.
1: Yes. I I I I, I get to learn my aunt and with my mama, I never actually. <laughs> cook with my mama. My mama used to be, excuse me, maid. She used to cook for people's houses and provide meals to people, you know, things like that. So, and that's one of the things that I mean, she was so surprised, you know, when I called her. And I, I, I learned a lot with my auntie, but, you know, that wasn't what I'm doing now. You know, my auntie used to do some pastry cooking, but it's like literally, Totally different, you know. Well, I understand,
0: and and I'm trying to kind of get there, but I'm trying to lead our listeners on on the on the journey as a whole here, and, and, and get them to understand that was the base. The next question is, how did you build on that base, and what opportunities did you have during that ten years in the restaurant business to build on your skills, and how did you learn to do? Because your cuisine. At, at Astor's here in Katy, it's very broad. It's yes. South African. It's it's other African. It's South American. There's even some American thrown in there somewhere. How did how do you how did you build on that humble base cooking with your auntie and build up your skills and your talents to where you could implement the complicated, diverse menu that you offer your customers now?
1: Desire to succeed and to, to make it. That's how I build it. I think that, you know, cooking with my auntie, that it gave me an idea of, of how, how to be how to cook. And then when I moved to America and then I obviously, you know, I decided to move to this business and, you know, starting cooking. I, I didn't even know I could cook the way I'm cooking now. I mean, it is a blessing that I had. I have a, a, a done. I have this secret that God gives me. And I didn't even know that until I started cooking. You know, over there, you know, back in Africa, you know, seeing my auntie cooking. So, excuse me, I never realized how beautiful is that. How can you make so many people happy? And coming here, you know, start cooking. Argentinian, Venezuelan, get to learn the Venezuela culture and get to learn the Argentinian culture and then cook, not just cooking their food, but cooking and making the food taste just like back yeah. home, you know, and having customers from Argentinian and Venezuelan coming here and telling you that this food tastes like my grandmother, this food tastes like my aunt. So. I do believe that God has given me the ability and the talent to be able to produce and create such dishes like that. Sure.
0: So. And that plays into part of my idea of what's what's the difference between good cooking and great cooking. A good cook, in my mind, can make you taste the food. The Great cook, on the other hand, he can get you to taste the heritage, the culture, the bigger aspect of it. One of my colleagues in the industry, Keith Saracen, one of his things is Indian cooking. He just spent a month in India not only to learn the mechanics of cooking the food, but just immerse himself in the environment that that food comes from and he did that because he doesn't want to just recreate the taste of the food he wants to create that whole picture
1: that's correct
0: yeah and, and I, to, me, and to me to me it's like everybody goes back and forth about the whole idea of who's a cook and who's a chef to me that's one of the differences it's the passion it's the yes.
1: desire to create that bigger picture right because cooking is like you cannot just go to the kitchen and cook. You know, that's not the idea. You know, you got to cook with your eyes closed. You know, you got to cook without even tasting the food just by the smelling of the dish itself. You can you can know that the dish is great. You you got to love it. You, it's a lot of passion to it, you know. And uh, now, you know, that I, I get to cook and I get to talk to a lot of the chefs, you know, and create, like, for example, I have a, a wine dinner that I got to put together for Lebanon, a wine dinner. So, and the guys is asking me, so what kind of Lebanese food you're going to cook? (laughs) And I would like, I do not know, (laughs) but I'm going to have to, you know, do my study and then be able to create something very traditional from Lebanon. And that's one of the things that I love, explore. Sure. sure. So with that, yes.
0: Well, I was going to say, let's, let's move on to a little bit of something different. One thing I know about Asters about your restaurant, is you're very farm-to-table oriented. Can you tell us a little bit about how that affects your, your menu development or even the uh, operational aspect of uh, how your restaurant runs? Because one of the things about farm-to-table is you're, you're focused on local agree, agree, local ingredients, which obviously would tend to be more seasonal. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about about the challenges involved in that, and how that affects your menu development, and some of those kind of things?
1: Well, like for example, we are farm to table based on the products that we bring in, and one of the things that we bring in is called uh, Calera Calera Lettuce. Calera Lettuce is is based is in Humble, Texas. is a farm within Texas in Houston. That grows lettuce, grows iceberg, grows spinach, grows a lot of vegetables indoor. So a lot of the product that we use comes from Calera. And why Calera? Calera, just the name itself, it is a name that you can find anyway on Google. It's a product that's better than organic. And I was a trainer before and people always say, what do you mean it's better than organic? Why would you say that? Because Canada greens grow on a controlled environment. The, uh, the water that they use and everything else, it is controlled and there is no antispyp that, that organic has it. So it has more nutrients than organic and it has more vitamins because, because the water, the controlled water is a controlled environment. And those are one of the things that we bring a lot. For example, right now, I've been, I'm in talk with one of our uh, clients that is also a farmer right in Prennville and uh, that I've been talking to him to see if I can bring in some of the Wago meat or cashier meat that actually grows. a lot of our goal is always to find a, a local source that we can provide us with a quality product. But since COVID-19 uh, happened. So we are very concerned about the products that we bring in for our customer. Number one, why? Number one, it is important that everything we bring in is DS approved, food health department approved. And when you bring things that are not, either they or the other doesn't have any stem with the FDA or things like that, and then you serve to your customer, you know, and then that can, can come up to contaminated food, food poison for getting sick. So we since COVID 19, we kind of limited ourselves from, you know, screaming a lot of the products that we bring in from local and we're trying to do with yeah, much bigger companies that has that criteria of health wisely products so that we don't have to worry about our customers or anyone, you know, getting sick with any kind of food poison or whatsoever. But we are strictly a lot of our products as well come from Africa. That that we have to make it and things like that. We and our menu get to change a lot, as you see it. If we change menu back and forward. We're trying to stay consistently on the product that we do. That's from either South Africa, Argentina, Venezuela. That allowed us to kind of you know, if we do any changes, it's not too much of it, and things like that. But the key part that we always trying to bring in. Is to bring the the precious, the local, and the better quality product we can bring to our consumer. Absolutely, from a industry standpoint,
0: one of the one of the biggest challenges the entire culinary industry is the uh, lost my train of thought there for a second. Is You're the right, oh, we were talking about your son among other things. It, one of the biggest challenges for anybody being in the culinary industry especially right now with some of the shortages we have and everything, is achieving a work-life balance. We kind of touched earlier on the difficulty behind that, but can you, uh, you expand a little bit more for our audience on, on how it is that you as a... Because, I mean, for crying out loud, man, being a chef means horrific hours. Right. Being a small business manager, owner, is horrific hours. You're right. both. How 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 do you how do you have these two jobs in one with horrific hours, but still find the time to be husband and father and brother and and and, and what have you? Because trust me, there's millions of people in, in this business that would like to have a better answer to that question.
1: It is it is hard. It is very I, I, like I said. It, it is it is challenge because. A lot of the times you need to you need to decide, okay, I need to be here and uh, and the, the, you have no other option. You only have one option. when you' are a business owner, you are the chef. It's just like when my wife was about to have the baby like two weeks ago. you know, it was on Monday, you know on Sunday we went to the hospital. we slept there. on Monday, I am in a hospital, but at the same time, I gotta come in. I gotta, open, I gotta shake the restaurant and things like that, and I was like, okay, baby, I, I'm about to step out. I'm going to the restaurant. I spoke to the doctors, and the doctor told me you gotta stay on one side, you know, for forty five minutes, and then on another side for forty five minutes. So I'm assuming the baby gonna be here, you know, in an hour and a half. So I'm gonna take the time, and I'm gonna go and cook for the nurses. I'm gonna, you know, make around about twenty five lunches for them. So let me call the staff and then I'm going to go to the restaurant week and pick that up. So on that balance, coming to the restaurant and, you know, to come and get the lunch and get everything. My baby was getting born right there, you know, and she calls me. She's like, hey, Caden is here. So I'm picking up all everything, running to the hospital giving the food to the nurse. When I get in, they're handing up my baby boy, like, oh, he's born. Fantastic. But it is so challenge, you know, like literally being a father, being a husband, you know, being a business owner, being a chef, because you, you, you have so much to deal with. You know, it's like, for example, yesterday we had the health department coming to do the year inspection for the certification and things like that for the past two weeks, you know, it is all about, you know, making sure everything is perfect in a hundred percent, but you never know what is perfect unless you just keep doing what you do. And then you like, you go, you live home around about eight in the morning and you stay, you work, and then you get home around about nine o'clock. And now with a newborn, you know, at some time I'm like, okay, I wish. I'm hoping that when I get home, you know, he's, he's sleeping. He's not sleeping or whatsoever. I'll be able to talk to him and stuff like that. And uh, with, that saying, oh. with, with that saying, it's kind of, it, it's challenged because number one, am sorry. Number one, it's, um, how can I say it? It is very difficult. I mean, because like at one time, you are home. You know, and then you got to live because you got to come to work. And, and then you are at work, but you think about, I want to go home. I want to see my wife. I want to see my kids. Yeah, but you have a bigger call. You have a bigger call in a restaurant and you have a bigger call at home. And then you got to try to find a way to balance it. And that's the, that's the well, hard yeah, part.
0: Absolutely. And, and part of what makes it difficult is all the things you're doing at the restaurant to a larger part, you're doing for your wife and your son. Correct. It's like I've always said, I, I, I think our whole society is backwards because we spend, most of us, five days earning our living and two days with the people and things that we care about. We, by all logic, it should be the other way around. We should spend two days a week earning our living. Five days, don't so we spend the majority <laughs> of the week, with, but that's not the way it works. And nope. one, of the, one of the things that makes it I mean, I'm not telling you anything new, but one of the things that makes it difficult for people in your position is the whole issue of staffing, especially Correct. going back during COVID. Wow! What kind of things have you you have you, have you been able to do that's helped you uh, keep up with that, or are you keeping up with that?
1: Well, this COVID 19, as you know, it was a very tough year for a lot of the restaurant and the industry overall, and uh, one of the biggest problems was staffing, and and like. Basic on 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 our production of sales and everything. A lot of the restaurants suffered. Some of the restaurants closed down. You know, we were lucky, and the thing that, that I'm lucky and I'm blessed because number one, I'm my own chef. You know, and I know how to cook everything, and I get to train my staff. And but it is it is it it is it was a very challenging year. You know, finding stuff to work where you know you need to cut your hours. You need to stay a little bit longer, but that's, those are challenges that you gotta go through. You gotta leave it. You gonna learn. You gotta make it. You know, if you were things are not things are not easy. If it was easy, everybody would make it. I think that it's it's COVID nineteen and everything else that challenges. He always comes in to teach us a lesson. But the other, the main thing is for you to keep your head up and come up with the idea, plans, and the things that you can find a solution for you to keep going forward and to be successful in life.
0: Absolutely, Chef. And we just have a few minutes left. I did want to touch quickly on something I particularly admire about you and ASTRS, and that's your community involvement. I mean, I have seen you give out school supplies. I have seen you, I don't know how many times, make breakfast for entire schools full of teachers and, and staff members. Can you just give me maybe two minutes on what that means to the identity of of Aster's and and what it means to you to be a chef and a business person in this community?
1: Yes. I think, like, you know, back in the days when I came to Texas, and I, I am who I am today because of the people that I met. You know, I came here to Texas with $150 in my pocket. I didn't know no one. I didn't know not even a single person besides the people that took me in that I didn't even know who they were. And I think that, you know, when I was able to come to Texas and be able to be received like a family and the people here, it took me like I was one of their own. And with that, it has taught me a lot that, you know, you got to serve your community. You got to build your community. You got to help your community. You got to help your community shine. And when your community sh- when you help your community shine, you, your community helps you. We are who we are today, it's because of the community, the love, the support that the community has given to us. And I think, you know, what could I do better than, you know, support and giving back? And I think that's one of our, one of our, the things that we do, one of our policies and one of the, um, uh, how can I put it is, if I'm for, name, I'm losing the name, but that's, that's our, our mission. Our mission is to help our community grow day by day, by one meal at a time. You know, I want to be able to one day when I leave this world, I want to be able to have a a identity that people can see and they will know. There was an Astro out there, you know, and they always used to do the minimum they could do to help and to support the community. And that's why we, and we are very proud. We are very thankful that, you know, we are the community has accepted us and and continues working with us, with KDHD, with the hospitals. Like right now, I'm talking to you. I just got an email about KD Christian minister that they need about 40 to 50, lunch 49. And I'm trying to contact them to see when they want it and things like that, you know. And that's, that's something we do. It's, 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 that's what God brought us here. We got to be able to help one another. Absolutely, Chef. And I want to thank you for
0: that. And I want to thank you for your insights. We uh, were about at our time limit. We need to wrap it up. But I'm very grateful to have you join us. And trust me, we will be in touch.
1: Oh, thank you so much, God bless you, and I have a wonderful holidays.
0: You have a good stay. You have a good service tonight, Chef. If you think that Chef Castro over the last half hour or so has been amazing to talk to, you should taste his food. Unfortunately, that's only an option for those of us here in Katy, Texas. But I think you'll agree he had a lot of different insights that are going to be very beneficial to people in a lot of different places. After all, you come to this country, got a plan going on. The people that were going to help you make that plan work are a no-show. That's a universal issue. We all have to learn how to move from plan A to B. And hopefully we can do that better now that we have Chef Castro's experience to deal with. Or the other thing we talked about with the problem of Work-life balance in the restaurant industry. Again, not an unusual situation. It would make my day if there was something in what Chef Castro says that helps you through that scenario. Until next time, when you join me in the land of learn more, eat better, this is Robert Crutchfield for Crutchfield Cooks.